Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley and uh, my partner uh, Jim Dwyer has the night off. He's got school business to take care of. So he, uh, he ought to be back next week. Anyway, obviously uh, the big story over the weekend was the developments in Pakistan and uh, all of the problems that that entail. George Bush, of course, apparently is on a road trip. He seemed a little out of sorts today when he met with the media and really didn't know what to say because um, obviously, quote, promoting democracy, which I have always believed is a phony cover story for why we're actually in Iraq, uh, it seems fairly inconsistent with uh, the actions of Musharraf in recent months. We, of course, have been talking about this down here on Gray Matters and noted just a couple of, oh, several weeks ago that the media seemed to be far more interested in the problems in Burma than the problems in Pakistan, which, of course, turn out to be our erstwhile allies. And uh, Pakistan has received, uh, by most estimates, at least $10 billion since 9-11, excluding covert funds, which we'll talk about in a second. Quoting from an article here, um, and this is uh, in today's New York Times by David Sanger and David Rode, 60% of that has gone to, quote, coalition support funds, essentially direct payments to the Pakistani military, and 15% to major weapons systems. Another 15% has been for general budget support for the Pakistani government, and only 10% for humanitarian assistance. Uh, that suggests, of course, that our priorities are, are, are mixed up here as usual. And uh, as I recall, we also forgave a significant Pakistani debt uh, in the aftermath of 9-11. One of the other interesting things that they report in this article is this amazing item. Uh, they write, a poll in September by Terror Free Tomorrow, a Washington-based nonprofit organization, shows that Osama bin Laden was more popular in Pakistan than General Musharraf, with 46% of respondents giving him a favorable rating against 38% for the president. Uh, Benazir Bhutu, by the way, received a favorable rating of uh, 63%. This was based on a nationwide poll taken recently of over 1,000 adults and had a margin of error of plus or minus 3%. Of course, that poll doesn't show what uh, maybe the disapproval ratings are of Osama bin Laden and Musharraf. But it does suggest that the uh, situation in Pakistan is uh, exceedingly serious and just continues to uh, reinforce the rather incoherent um, policy that the Bush administration has in the region. Uh, on another related item, and I mentioned this uh, in that uh, reportage from uh, David Sanger and David Rhodes, the uh, uh, New York Times, uh, in the middle of the week last week, reported that Congress 
has authorized $43.5 billion uh, in the past year to operate spy satellites and remote surveillance stations and CIA outposts overseas. What's interesting about this article is that uh, it turns out that the Bush administration is not in compliance with a law that requires the Director of National Intelligence to reveal the spending authorization figure within 30 days of the close of fiscal year, which ended September 30th. And um, they note that the number released Tuesday, this past week, does not include the billions of dollars that military services spend annually on intelligence, and the total spying budget for the last fiscal year, including the Pentagon spending, is said to have been in excess of $50 billion. So this is uh, an idea of where the U.S. is uh, spending money, and it notes, by the way, that in just as recently as 1997 and 98, the budget was roughly $26.5 billion. So you get an idea that we have more than doubled our spending on this sort of, uh, um, quote, spying on, um, this used to be known, by the way, during the Cold War as the so-called black budget. And uh, the problem here, of course, is that the openness by the government is an issue. Uh, it notes that Christopher Bond, a ranking Republican from Missouri, said, quote, the American people have a right to know how and where the government is spending their money. Well, I second that emotion and uh, would recommend that uh, the public be given more information about precisely where this money is being spent. Now, on a related note, and I'll just give uh, George Bush a brain damage award on this, uh, it was reported last week that George Bush decided to veto a water bill, uh, which includes um, some spending for the Gulf Coast uh, in connection with uh, um, uh, Katrina, and that Bush in in justifying the veto, said that this uh, is too much money. He says, quote, this bill lacks fiscal discipline. This authorization bill makes promises to local communities that the Congress does not have a record of keeping, quote, unquote. And I would wonder why uh, George Bush is so unconcerned about that problem in Iraq with uh, our money. Uh, he's being fiscally conservative here. Uh, this, by the way, uh, involves uh, saving uh, things like the Everglades and probably does include some pork um, and probably some of the water projects uh, endorsed by the Army Corps of Engineers, uh, you know, need serious examination for efficacy. But uh, it appears that this money will actually be approved because the article and the details on this uh, subject note that uh, both houses in Congress approved this money by more than a two-thirds margin, which would suggest that this uh, veto may be overridden, which I believe actually would be the first of Bush's term. So we'll see how that veto override 
uh, works out. Now, in addition to all of the uh, interesting international developments, there, of course, is still the simmering Turkish problem, and negotiations are underway. Uh, Condoleezza Rice uh, continues to sound shriller and shriller as she globetrots around the world trying to put out all these fires uh, that the Bush administration has started uh, in the Middle East. A lot of publicity, by the way, last week about the arson involving the California wildfires involving a kid, uh, 10 or something, forget the details on his age, but uh, playing with matches and one of the wildfires was attributed to him. Uh, one of the critics of how the uh, California media cover wildfires, Mike Davis, I heard him make a comment on uh, uh, National Public Radio that the uh, California media always has um, big scary stories about arson uh, involved with the wildfires and never really focuses on the global warming uh, aspects and the natural aspects of these wildfires. These Santa Ana winds, by the way, uh, create a lot of the wildfires because they knock down power lines, and then the power lines catch brush on fire, and voila, you have it. Uh, so a lot of focus on the one instance of arson. Um, Keith Olbermann, by the way, about two weeks ago, noted that the Fox News Network uh, one morning decided to create uh, a bunch of hysteria claiming that al-Qaeda was behind the wildfires in California. Uh, they had no evidence of this, but they proceeded to saber-rattle on the matter, and, uh, well, they get a brain damage award for just simply being wrong. Uh, most of these uh, wildfires in California, indeed, were caused by power lines that were blown down by heavy winds. Uh, we're, we're, by the way, in a wind advisory here in, in the state of Michigan. We're getting some... Oh, northwesterly weather here that'll make things a little uh, cooler for the next couple days, but uh, hopefully there won't be any power lines uh, falling down that will lead to wildfires. I sort of doubt it here in the moist state of Michigan. Uh, we can be thank our lucky grapes that, uh, that uh, we don't have drought problems in Michigan uh, very often. I think, do recall in 1988 we had a five, six-week drought, but that was actually the entire uh, eastern United States. Um, there was also a very interesting story, and I didn't bring the headlines in, about Chinese chemicals. This was a big, splashy, front-page story in the New York Times. And I wanted to respond to it. I, I'll maybe bring in the original article next week because I don't seem to have it, but uh, there's a very good article in the October Harper's um, called Toxic Inaction, uh, which actually gives more details about unregulated chemicals. The um, gist of this story uh, in the New York Times was essentially about Chinese chemicals uh, that have been in the market, uh, that, that, that are out there in the market and are, quote, unregulated. And of course, there have been many, many horror stories in recent weeks about Chinese chemicals in toys and lead and whatnot. I guess there were even some Halloween <laughs> costumes that were uh, um, contained lead, uh, which of course should be a chemical that needs regulation. 
But this article by Mark Shapiro, Toxic in Action, Why Poisonous Unregulated Chemicals End Up in Our Blood, is a fascinating uh, analysis of how the Bush administration has essentially sabotaged the European Union from regulating many of the chemicals uh, that are out there. And uh, this is amazing stuff. Included in, the, in this article, which is in the October Harper's Index, and I recommend uh, all listeners to check this thing out. Mark Shapiro, by the way, is, uh, it might be Shapiro. Some, some people pronounce that last name Shapiro. Some call themselves Shapiro. <laughs> I'm not sure how he goes, but uh, we'll, we'll assume Shapiro. Uh, it's interesting because I think the general manager of the Cleveland Indians is named Mark Shapiro, and that's how he pronounces his name. But anyway, he is the editorial director for the Center for Investigative Reporting. His new book, Expose the Toxic Chemicals, Chemistry of Everyday Products and What's at Stake for American Power, was published last month by Chelsea Green. Now, that uh, gives you an idea of probably the nature of this publishing house. But in this article, he points out that it, back in 1976, the U.S. Congress passed a, uh, a bill called the Toxic Substances Control Act, which granted the government, and I'm quoting here, the authority to track industrial chemicals and to replace, and to place, excuse me, restrictions on any that proved to be harmful to humans or the environment. Because the United States was the world's preeminent economic power, other major chemical producers, Germany, France, and Britain, soon brought their nation their national regulations into line with TSCA so as not to lose the US market shortly thereafter Japan and other countries uh, hoping to conduct trade with the west um, had decided to adopt the central principles of the law on their own but he notes that 3 decades after TSCA came into being, 95% of chemicals in circulation have never undergone testing for toxicity or their impact on the environment. And the extent to which TSCA has failed to regulate hazardous substances is now evident in the biomonitoring results in Europe and America. And essentially what's happened in recent years, the European Union which he notes, by the way, contains 480 million people and is now significantly larger uh, in both population and wealth than the United States. And incidentally, that wealth is, uh, <laughs> is increasing because the American dollar last week went to a 50-year low. Uh, oil prices, of course, went, uh, went up. Uh, and we can talk a little bit about economic issues maybe in a second because it was a, an interesting week in that uh, uh, realm of uh, the media. Well, this is very interesting stuff. Greenpeace UK released a study in 2005 that found that numerous toxic chemicals in the umbilical cord of European infants. That same year, the World Wildlife Fund International tested the blood of three generations of women from 12 European countries, the largest number of chemicals, 63, was found in a group of grandmothers. Given the number of years 
they had to accumulate exposure, this result was perhaps not surprising. But the next highest level was amongst their grandchildren, aged 12 to 28, who in their short lifetimes had amassed 59 different toxic chemicals. In 2005, the uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, completing uh, screening for, uh, for the presence of 148 toxic chemicals in the blood of a broad cross-section of Americans, it found that the vast majority of the subjects harbored almost all toxins. In the same year, the CDC's National Survey on Family Growth concluded that rates of infertility were rising for women under the age of 25, a spike many uh, scientists attribute at least in part to routine exposure to toxic chemicals. Well, <clears throat> Shapiro goes on, and uh, he notes that uh, the, the TSCA, that act that Congress passed in 76, exempted 62,000 chemicals that the acts, that, quote, the act excused from testing or review. And among them were, quote, thousands of highly toxic substances such as ethyl benzene, a widely used industrial solvent suspected of being a potent neurotoxin whose uh, families of synthetic plastics uh, that are potential carcinogens and endocrine disruptors. By the way, these endocrine disruptors are very important because they do affect um, cancer rates both in men and women. Their uh, reproductive systems get bollocked up to uh, use a British phase. And uh, this is uh, serious stuff. Not surprisingly, of course, the chemical industry has contributed $47 million to federal election campaigns since 1996, and it pays lobbyists about $30 million a year in Washington. And that these lobbyists, of course, uh, prevent data and information being released to the public. And uh, these risk assessments are essentially not happening. Um, so Europe's new law, which is called REACH, um, is attempting to find out more about these 60,000 chemicals, compounds, chemical compounds, that were allowed to stay on the market. Unlike TSCA, REACH places the burden of proof on manufacturers who must, excuse me, demonstrate that their chemicals can be used safely. The EAU estimated that this would cost chemical manufacturers about $4 billion over 14 years. I want to repeat that number, $4 billion over 14 years a figure that amounts less than 1% of their combined yearly revenue. So this is not an undue burden on the chemical industry, but needless to say, the Bush administration with its um, trade representatives and its lawyers, specifically uh, citing C. Boyden Gray, who's uh, one of those dark forces uh, that's been behind a lot of uh, interesting things that have gone on in Washington in the last uh, 20 years. He worked in the Reagan administration. He worked for Bush's father. 
he's a, uh, shall we say, a high-ranking uh, uh, veteran, Republican operative, I guess is a good way, way to characterize him. Um, he uh, was sent this past February over to Brussels um, as the new U.S. ambassador to the EU. And he, of course, is involved in trying to prevent the United States from complying with this laws. Uh, it notes, by the way, that he's lobbied on behalf of 140 U.S. companies, including Apple, Boeing, Dow, DuPont, General Motors, and McDonald's. And, of course, it's these companies that are involved with these chemicals. And my only observation about so many of these chemicals is probably a lot of them are not necessary and it certainly strikes me that it is totally appropriate uh, for the burden of proof to be on the manufacturers, uh, not on the public or epidemi uh, epidemiological studies to say, well, this is what uh, created these spikes in these various cancers at certain times. There are many cancers rates that are going down. Uh, this has been documented uh, for, for a variety of reasons, including survival statistics. Uh, Rudolph Giuliani in the news last week, because apparently uh, he's been exaggerating the prostate cancer survival rate in Britain to make some uh, arcane point about uh, quote-unquote socialized medicine. Um, he cites some statistics that apparently are completely off base. And Paul Krugman, columnist for the New York Times, appropriately says, well, why isn't this a character issue if we're going to bring up, uh, you know, mischief uh, involving Hillary Clinton and documents uh, that haven't been released to the public? Uh, that canard, by the way, can be discussed at a later date because I think that's one of those classic uh, uh, man bites dog stories, and uh, it's interesting that Michael Isakoff seems to be one of the main Washington pundits that's trying to push this pseudo scandal once again. He, of course, was heavily involved in Whitewater uh, exposés that never really materialized into much of anything, and he's obviously got some sort of <laughs> grudge against the Clinton family. I have my own problems with Hillary Clinton, but I don't think um, Hillary Clinton's correspondence with Bill Clinton over uh, the health care debate are going to reveal any dark, dirty secrets. Um, so um, check out this Harper's October 2007 article, Toxic in Action, and read it in and contrast it to this big splashy headline about Chinese chemicals. This, of course, in no way, shape, or form uh, means that I uh, think that Chinese chemicals should not be investigated or regulated or even reduced. Uh, they certainly should. But I think we need to develop global standards regarding the health and the impact of these chemicals on both the human health and the environment, including water um, and water um, you know, the validity of, of water. We, you know, we have these mining operations, for instance, that are just opened up willy-nilly in many third-world countries. And uh, 
you know, the multinational mining companies come in for, for a decade or two, uh, destroy the land, then they leave, and then they leave the water supply, uh, you know, terribly impacted. And uh, that isn't good. Uh, speaking of water, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about oil? Uh, last week, of course, we saw some mid-90s uh, ranges for oil. Uh, the stock market went into a little mini correction after it emerged that the Federal Reserve, uh, issu in, in issuing their uh, latest rate cut, suggested that the uh, rate cuts may be over. And Wall Street, of course, has been hoping for a return to easy money. Uh, that didn't seem to happen. Uh, we don't need to read the specific uh, the specific uh, rate um, statement, but um, you know, just on Thursday, the basic business news: the dollar set a record low against the euro and a 50-year low against the Canadian dollar. Oil prices closed at a record high of 30. Uh, excuse me, 94 dollars and 53 cents a barrel. This, by the way, was on the day where the, the uh, Federal Reserve cut uh, the federal uh, funds rate by 25 percent. Wall Street was uh, disappointed in this news. They were hoping for a 0.5 percent rate reduction, and uh, panic ensued. And then, of course, over the weekend, we've had all these major Dow Jones Industrial Companies uh, firing uh, CEOs, replacing CEOs. We've got banks with all this money that's still on the books that needs to be uh, properly accounted for. We even had Ben Bernanke, by the way, at a public speech about a month ago um, talk about this number, and he uh, elliptically, and I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase him here, said something to the effect of, well, the, yeah, I know I know there's a number out there, but I don't know what the hell it is, and it seems like nobody does. Uh, and this is, uh, is a fascinating story um, because, of course, this is related to the subprime uh, concerns in the American economy that are going to apparently snowball uh, in the next, quote, several quarters. And I would suggest, by the way, that if uh, the Iraq war uh, is continuing on pace, and yes, there was a report last week that casualties are down uh, to their lowest in, in eight months, and Iraqi civilian casualties were down a little bit here and there, that's all good news. But it, these, these numbers are still staggeringly high, and uh, what is not um, caught up in that or, or, or emphasized enough in those numbers is the fact that... Um, Maqtada al-Sadr, uh, in late August, uh, actually issued a statement noting that uh, his uh, Shiite militia would go on a six-month ceasefire. So this may be more connected with the uh, drop in violence, more so than the surge uh, that Bush was thumping his chest about last week. Um, there may be a surge uh, in... in terrorism and problems in Pakistan that uh, George Bush, uh, well, he hasn't had the eye, he hasn't had his eye on the ball very well for the, the past five years. Let's just put it that way. Um, but some other economic uh, news connected with this, you know, we have this jobs report that came out. Um, 
And I just wanted to quote from Michael Greinbaum uh, regarding real economic growth. Uh, the government reported a higher-than-expected figure, uh, roughly uh, 4%. I think it was 3 point, where is that? 3.9, 3.9%. And this, by the way, is the, quote, first estimate on the growth. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, in his article, he notes that consumer spending expanded at more than twice its previous rate, rising 3% after a 1.4% in the second quarter. Sales surged on big-ticket products like appliances and furniture. I don't understand this. Appliances and furniture are products that go up when housing sales are going up. You know, if you buy a new house, you want to get new furniture, you want to get new appliances. Um, so I, I'm skeptical of that number right there. Um, it also notes that export sales more than doubled to 16.2% um, annual growth rate, growth rate, though uh, sales from imports, uh, which detract from overall growth, also increased. And needless to say, this growth in imports is, is connected to uh, oil. Uh, when you, and we talked about this last week on Gray Matters, I noted that the price of oil has gone up 25% since early September when George Bush began to saber-rattle about Iran. Now, who's responsible for all this oil uh, the, the, the rising price of oil. There are, certainly are plenty of analysts out there that note that China and India and their uh, very high growth rates and their um, new desire to emulate American consumerism are driving worldwide demand. Indeed, an analyst pointed this out. I'm just going to quote this because this is staggering uh, in talking about China and India. Uh, Fatih Baral said, quote, demand for oil in China, he added, would eventually equal the entire supply from Saudi Arabia. Partly as a result, the annual report will predict that oil prices could hit levels much higher than once thought possible, heightening a risk for serious global economic slowdown. Well, yeah, and uh, oil prices going over $100 a barrel seem quite likely to me in the upcoming days and months, uh, particularly as the United States continues to saber-rattle about um, Iran. Interestingly, on the, uh, on the um, other economic data, I just want to report this real quickly. Housing activity fell for the seventh consecutive quarter dropping 20% after an 11% drop in the previous quarter. Well, uh, we are out of time. I just wanted to uh, close with this bizarre item from Iowa. It says a hunter is recovering after he was shot in the leg at close range by his dog. The hunter went uh, pheasant hunting, and apparently um, he took 100 to 120 pellets in a four-inch circle in his calf, when his dog accidentally stepped on the trigger when he put the gun down to go get the bird. Well, that's the old man bites dog story. This is the old dog shoots man story. And there's no word of whether or not this dog will be going hunting with Dick Cheney uh, during the holidays. 
Well, we're out of time here on Gray Matters. Do stay tuned. We'd like to thank Yelchin for engineering this evening. Stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor.